0: Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at (laughs) criteriaforsuccess.com. So all throughout the month of March, we have been talking about self-awareness and how it helps you with self-improvement and growing relationships. We've also been talking about how you can use assessments, behavioral and psychometric assessments to help you improve your own sense of self-awareness. You can check out the blog for best practices, information and advice for you and your team at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. I can talk. This episode of Let's Talk Sales continues our monthly series of training episodes where we're sharing content from the CFS training curriculum. If you are in a position to do so, please make sure to take notes. Please don't if you're driving a car or any operating any other heavy machinery. (laughs) Um, We do share a lot of best practices and advice in these episodes, and um, the whole point of this is to add value to you and to be actionable. This is Elizabeth Frederick, operations officer and senior advisor. And with me today, I have our marketing and innovation manager, Arianna Miskell. Hello, everyone. All right. We are very excited to um, have this podcast together. Today, we are going to be sharing best practices for improving your self-awareness and talking about how you can leverage your understanding of yourself to grow sales. So it should be a fun one. I invite everybody who's listening to download this month's ebook, which is called Discovering Insights into Yourself and Others, leveraging behavioral assessments for self-awareness. I always think that the titles look fine and then I read them out loud and discover that they are much longer than I think. That's a bit of a <laughs> mouthful. Um, but you can grab your copy in the show notes along with all of the other resources that we'll mention today, which again you can find at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 137. Um, and if you want to hear more about the ebook, be sure to check out episode 133, where Rebecca interviewed me um, about it, and we, we had a really great discussion on some of the ins and outs of self-awareness. I uh, will include a link to that episode in today's show notes, um, but the notes for that show, if you're curious, are going to be criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 133. So uh, let's jump in. Do some training. As I mentioned, we're talking today about improving your self-awareness and using that for self-improvement and better relationships. Here at CFS, we always structure our training into two categories, philosophy and mechanics. Philosophy is the why. Why do we do things? What's the purpose behind them? And mechanics gets into the how. And so we'll be covering um, both of those things, but we're going to always start with that little bit of philosophy. Let's talk for a bit about why self importance. Self-awareness, not self-importance, (laughs) self-awareness is so important in business and in sales. We've really learned a lot this month um, from uh, an organizational psychologist named Dasher Dr. Tasha, I am just stumbling a bit. Apologies. It's honestly,
1: everything you're saying is quite the mouthful. So I'm I have to give you credit because it's it's a lot harder than it sounds, people.
0: But uh, thank you. I, I do appreciate that that grace that you are providing me. All right, let's try again. Um, w- there's an organizational psychologist named Dosh- Dr. Tasha Eurich and she had a TED talk that um, we learned a lot from and it all comes from her book called insights and um, a lot of research that she's done over the last few years really taking a deep dive into self-awareness and she discovered that 95 percent of people think they're self-aware but when she did surveys and studies Only 10 to 15% of people actually are. That's an amazing statistic. Yeah, it's like (laughs) when you hear that 80% of people think they're above average or something.
1: Right, right. It kind of reminds me of like if I were to think of everyone I know and everyone would be like, yeah,
0: I'm self-aware, I'm definitely self-aware. And then you're like, no, are you really? (laughs) And most of them, in fact, are not. Definitely. So what um, has been demonstrated in her research is that people who are self-aware are more successful both personally and professionally. They tend to be more creative, they're more confident, and they're actually better leaders than people without high levels of self-awareness. That led us to a psychologist and author named Daniel Goleman. He wrote uh, a New York Times bestselling book called Emotional Intelligence. Uh, Many of you guys have probably read that. Um, uh, Emotional Intelligence, why it matters more than IQ. And a great quote from him, emotional self-awareness is a leadership competency that shows up in model after model. These are the leaders attuned to their inner signals Recognizing how their feelings affect them and their job performance.
1: You know, I really love that quote because so funnily enough, I'm reading a book at home right now mm-hmm. um, that is pretty much about self-awareness and emotional intelligence without using those words because I think those words are very businessy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I kind of get business fatigue yes. from the industry that we work in. Um, a lot of my friends read books like this or... Um, the one about never eat alone and, you know, mm-hmm. those types of classics. But I just can't do it when I'm home because we spend so much time talking about it at work. I get You know, that. it's just – you know what I mean? It's a little I bit – I read
0: mostly, like, sci-fi and fantasy. <laughs> right. You kind of
1: have to get away. But my cousin actually introduced me to this book called The Power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about how positive thoughts – have the effect have the ability to completely change your life uh-huh. um and she ta- the author talks a lot about how people are always on autopilot with their feelings and how they're reactive and not proactive absolutely um, and it, i feel like it's definitely related to emotional intelligence because if bad things are going to happen to you throughout the day or things that you don't Plan for um, any given day at work. You get an email that you have to do something right away instead of um, what you planned on doing. Maybe it's a prospecting call, or maybe you had to prep for a meeting, whatever it is. Um, but you can choose to react angrily to that, or you can choose to react proactively and just get it done and move on with your day. And instead of letting it throw you off kilter for the rest of the day or the week, you know, you just have to move forward and take control of your feelings and Definitely. be aware. That this person's not personally trying to ruin your day (laughs) by throwing something into the mix of your already chaotic uh, afternoon. But I don't know. It just definitely relates to emotional
0: intelligence for me. Definitely. And um, like you were saying, if you think about it and specifically how this applies um, in a leadership context, as a leader your team is looking to you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that emotional intelligence, if you don't have that self-awareness and you're just reacting kind of spur of the moment yeah. off the cuff, like just stuff happens and you become a new person, Right. that makes it really difficult for people to follow you. It makes it difficult for people to um, know how you're going to respond to things. And so having the self-awareness, um, having the emotional intelligence to know your tendencies To know how you're going to be tempted to respond, to kind of modulate and adjust your response appropriately. um, That'll actually drive um, improvements. And when it comes to sales, it is all about relationship. You need to understand yourself and you need to understand other people. And self-awareness really contributes to both. So it's just an incredibly important um, concept. So I think we've pretty much established why it's important to improve your self-awareness. And I want to talk a little bit about how. So we want to give you guys um, some specific advice that you can leverage to improve your self-awareness. Um, maybe you'll know yourself better by the time we finish this podcast. So you're going to start by learning about yourself, and we're going to talk about three areas to get information. The first thing you want to look at is actually yourself. That's self-reflection. Uh, that is people's default approach. When they're thinking about um, self-awareness, I should just sit and and contemplate for a bit, right? Um, But it's really easy to actually go in a bad direction here, and you can actually make things worse. We tend to get up, get caught up in trying to evaluate people's motivations. We try to figure out why things are happening and why people are acting the way they do. This doesn't work, as humans, we are not capable of understanding motivations. We don't understand our own motivations, and we absolutely cannot understand other people's motivations. So, um, taking a taking taking the effort to try to figure out motivations actually can contribute, and research has demonstrated this to problems, even to the level of anxiety and depression. Wow. And so it's best to look at things more objectively. And uh, a great technique is to ask what questions instead of asking why questions. And Arianna has some examples of some what style questions that you might include.
1: Why, yes, I do. So um, the first example that I have is what are my goals and what do I want to achieve? And I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about this or if we want to just continue
0: yeah. So really thinking about you know, what, what do you want to get out of life? What are, what are the purposes? What are you working toward? It can be very specific to a situation. You know, what are my goals for this meeting? Or what are my goals for this interaction? Or what are my goals for my career? Or for the day. Definitely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one is, what's in the way of achieving my goals? And that's, I think that's a pretty good
0: question. Absolutely. And again, you're looking at yourself and you're looking at other people. And not, not coming from a blame context, right. but what might prevent me from achieving my goals? That's proactive. You can make decisions based on that. You can figure out, how do I get around that? How do I deal yep. with it? What's the solution
1: before yes. you run into the problem? Which Absolutely. is always something that we love to have. Um, another question is, where have I been successful in the past?
0: Yeah. So what kind of what kinds of jobs have um, have you held that maybe worked out well for you? Or maybe what do you like to do best at work and what? makes you feel the most
1: successful definitely because I like the saying you know just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it Mm -hmm. um and I think that for a lot of people success isn't always defined in, you know oh I'm really good at drawing so I'm just gonna draw for the rest of my life or I don't know what the case might be but um success could be in something that maybe you aren't Making the most money from, but
0: definitely Um, a lot of times people might see a strength that comes out outside the work context. So maybe um, it's such a trite example, but maybe you coach your kids' soccer team and you have to be a leader, you have to be a coach, you have to get, especially if they're little kids, get them not to run around in a little bunch. (laughs) And that um, could be something that you can't do at work because you're not in a leadership role. Yeah, but if you recognize, hey, I've been successful, I'm a good coach, I'm a good leader, where can I find opportunities to practice that skill? within my work environment. Definitely. Maybe I can step up to lead a project, or maybe I can volunteer to mentor some new hires. Yeah. And you're actually taking that, that thing that you've been successful in in the past and growing it and leveraging it for more success. It's
1: another good question.
0: So then another question is, what behaviors are effective for me? Right, so what are the specific things that you do that seem to work? What habits have you practiced that have been successful?
1: Awesome. And then finally, what behaviors are
0: holding me back? Obviously, um, anytime we talk about things that are going well, we have to think about things that aren't going well. So what are the bad habits that you fall into? And again, not coming from a place of blame, but coming from a place of just, I want to understand myself better and know what to expect.
1: Definitely. Good good questions. So I
0: love podcasts. I'm a podcast person. And one of my favorite podcasts, I think one of the first ones I subscribe to is called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. This isn't an ad, but um, there's a segment in that podcast called Know Yourself Better, And in that, she asks specific questions like, are you a morning person or a night owl? Or what's better for you when you're trying to um, reduce um, a habit or an activity, moderation or elimination? Or are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer? And she has all these fun terms and these fun quizzes. There's um, the segment is included in, I would say, about half of the episodes. And I find it just incredibly fascinating because once you get that understanding of yourself within a dichotomy like that. You can make decisions. You can figure out what are the best ways I should approach a that situation. That is interesting. Yeah. That is very – I'm already thinking
1: like, hmm, if I wanted to break a habit, would I be getting rid of everything cold turkey or moderation?
0: And Yeah. I don't right? know. Right. There are some people, for example, who um, let's say you needed to uh, kind of cut down on um, sugar in your diet or you wanted to cut down mm-hmm. on carbs. And there are some people who if they tried to eliminate it fully – they would crack after a week yeah. and sit down and eat a pile of fries food and food is probably the hardest and, yes, kind of example. example
1: of that. But yeah. maybe like for a phone, you know, I yeah. hate being on my phone all the time, even yeah. though unfortunately it seems like we're all pretty much addicted to our cell phones. Yes. Unfortunately.
0: Minus yeah, you know, two inches from my hand. But
1: could I get would I be able to moderate my activities? Probably not. I'd probably have to go cold turkey.
0: Yeah. If I'm honest and, with myself and there are some people who if they go cold turkey they break and then they go crazy They're on with it. their phone for 12 but, hours straight, <laughs> but they would be better at putting limits on it. Right. Whether it's, you know, I can have a treat, you know, fit, with food, I can have a treat every Friday right. or once a week um, or with my yeah. phone. I, you know, you can set up timers on it um, oh on gosh. iPhones. I know you can have like limits. It reminds
1: me when I was a kid, um, I'm I'm giving my age away by doing this, but when I had AOL, they had kids' version of AOL, Mm -hmm. like the desktop internet service that they used to have. I am a
0: different generation from you, Ariana. But my parents
1: (laughs) used to set a limit, and it wasn't like an amount of time you could spend, but it would shut off at 9 p.m. or like 8.30 p.m. or something.
0: Mm -hmm. I need that back. Yeah, (laughs) I really do there are tools you can use for that. Um, so things like this are really helpful because a lot of times yeah. we try to implement strategies that are effective for other people around us, not understanding that they're different people mm-hmm. and what works for them doesn't work for us. And somebody else will be like, well, I just, um, you know, I give myself one cheat day a week and I'm able to be perfectly healthy. And you're like, that doesn't you're work like, for
1: me. Wow, I can't do good that. Good for you. But... Yes, <laughs> but
0: we're different people. So um, there's a blog post that uh, that she has that we'll link to in the show notes that has a list of a bunch of different questions you can ask yourself. Um, her whole uh, philosophy and approach is all about building habits that can help you be happier. And so self-awareness is a key area she focuses yeah. on. Awesome. Um, one other great way to um, to practice self-reflection is to look at models or guides and compare yourself against them. So for example, there's a resource that we'll include in the show notes. I wrote an ebook on the four dimensions of motivation, and it talks about different ways people are motivated. You can use this for people that you're managing um, to motivate them, but it's also something to think about for yourself. What motivates you? So anytime you um, you review you know, um, a guide or an ebook or um, a resource. Think about how does that apply to you specifically, and um, how do you fall into that? And that is a kind of self-awareness that's relatively easy to practice. So self-analysis is really important, but you're not done there. So the second area that you're going to look at for information to help improve your self-awareness is feedback from other people around you. So here are some best practices that you can use to effectively get that feedback. I'll start it off because it's pretty obvious, but you just got to ask for
1: feedback. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it might seem like a simple thing to do, but it's hard for people, especially maybe if their corporate culture is not one that Mm -hmm. kind of promotes asking for feedback. Um, And I also know that it's hard for a lot of people if you're not taught that, or not taught is the wrong word, but if you're not shown by people who are, leaders for you that mm-hmm. it's OK to not be perfect yep. at work, that you might not want to expose yourself as flawed in any way or Absolutely. needing feedback in any way. Um, but ask for it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be better.
0: Definitely. Um, I know last month we uh, published an ebook on collaboration. Yes. And one of the, the key elements to collaboration is being able and willing to ask for feedback and mm-hmm. open up to people. Um, but like you said, it's a culture thing. Definitely. So uh, another best practice is to ask, like we were saying, um, when you're looking at yourself is to ask those what questions versus why questions. So you don't want to ask people, you know, why didn't you like that? Or why do you think something is happening? That's not going to be effective. Instead, things like what behaviors do you see me doing that are successful? What do you see in my activity that's helping me contribute Mm -hmm. to this project or this organization? And then conversely, what do you see that's holding me back? What habits do you see that I'm developing or have developed that aren't helping me? Um, And then I I would add to that, and this is
1: a little bit redundant, but it's really important to ask for feedback on specific areas rather than just general questions like, so do you have any feedback for me? Um, Because first of all, there's probably a reason why you're going to ask for feedback because you want to know something specific about yourself, hopefully something semi-planned out. Um, and if you go with a general question, people might one, not feel inclined to give you the specific truth, um, because they might think that they could hurt your feelings or that they would offend you or Mm -hmm. discourage you, whatever the case is. But if you go to someone with a specific question, like, what do you think I did well in that meeting? And what do you think I could have done better? That's a guided path for someone to answer and say, oh, this was great. This was great. But you know, you could have done this a little bit better and then you're set.
0: Definitely. Um, Another great practice is you don't want to ask for feedback in a group context. So if you're sitting in a room with 10 other people and you say, do you have any feedback for me? What's going to happen is people are going to be hesitant to provide that constructive Mm -hmm. criticism. Nobody wants to look like a bully, at least most healthy emotionally (laughs) uh, aware people don't want to. So instead... you know, get with people one-on-one and sit with them together or, you know, walk with them, whatever it might be, and ask for feedback in that one-on-one context. you are be more likely
1: Definitely. to get good feedback. Yeah. And you want to ask a specific person too. I can't imagine, you know, a room of people just get everyone giving you their opinion. It could yeah. get a little bit messy. Definitely. But, um, so then also, um, instead of asking spur of the moment, it's really important to schedule times for people to give you feedback Um, And this could be anything like a performance evaluation or a 360 review. We actually kind of do these meetings in our Mm -hmm. one-to-ones. And so, like, I will, with Rebecca, have a one-to-one. We had one this morning. And we'll kind of just talk about where we are, um, how our projects are going, if there's anything that we need to do better or focus on. And it's just, it's casual. It makes feedback a lot more natural. And it's not this big, scary thing of, oh, my gosh, I'm about to learn everything I've done wrong in the last six months. (laughs)
0: Definitely. So here's an example of um, a good way to ask for feedback. So Arianna has been running our hiring process lately. Uh, poor Arianna. If it's anyone's a... looking for a job, <laughs> <laughs> we have a few positions open. And she's doing a lot of interviews. Um, but as part of our process, we do group interviews. And so let's say we've done a group interview. And Arianna has a little bit of um, concern or she wants some feedback to see how well she did in her part of the interview. Mm-hmm. Ariana, what would be a, an effective way to ask for feedback?
1: So an example could be, so for the group interview, I could say, hey, do you guys think that I was friendly enough or but not too friendly? Or do you think that I transitioned between the questions or kept it moving along at a good pace? Um, Did I seem rushed? Type of
0: questions like those. Definitely. And then if you had more specific questions, maybe about how you were approaching the situation and you wanted to get some really good feedback for you as an individual, what would be the best way to do that?
1: Schedule a one-to-one. Absolutely. And I would ask whoever I see fit at the time, maybe depends on which position it is, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because depending who the person would report to and all those fine details. Yeah. But I I would schedule a one-to-one.
0: Definitely. And so think about, again, um, what are the questions you want to ask? Um, really specific questions, Being um, getting to with the right person, um, getting them in the, the right place to be prepared to provide yeah. feedback so that you're not just kind of off the cuff. Right. And
1: honestly, I have to say, because hiring is tough, I don't know if we have any recruiters that listen, but I could never do your job, to be honest. It's quite the um, crazy position. That's all I'll say about it. But if I didn't ask for feedback, I wouldn't know if I'm even bringing the right candidates in for Mm -hmm. our positions. Um, And it's the transparency that's so important that helps me know that I'm doing the right thing. And then there's no resentment from other people that I'm not bringing the right people in. And it's just, you know, it's for the business. It's nothing personal. And if I don't bring a good candidate in it, there's someone else that's a better fit.
0: Yeah. And again, where self-awareness comes into this is the way you approach every situation um, is is Your personality, it's your style of communication. And if you're not aware of how you're coming off, Mm -hmm. if you're approaching interviews like, I want to be best friends with this person, um, you're not going to do a very good job of interviewing them. And then you bring them to the organization and we're going to be like, why on earth did you think this person would fit this job? (laughs) And so you need some self-awareness to know how you approach conversations. Definitely. Definitely. All right, so you have done some self-reflection. You've gotten some feedback from people around you. There is a third source of information that you could look to to improve your self-awareness, and that is behavioral assessments. So why assessments? It's because they are objective. People are always, always, always subjective. It's because we're people and we've (laughs) got our, our minds. And no matter how many boundaries you try to set, you're still gonna end up with some motivated reasoning. Motivated reasoning is when you make a decision and then you rationalize behind it to try to figure out why you made that decision. And so, for example, I might impulsively decide I want this phone or I want this car. I want to buy this item of clothing. And then I can tell myself, you know, I really need that item of clothing. I've got a meeting coming up and I just have to come off really professionally. But if I were to approach things rationally and didn't fall in love with that thing, I might realize that maybe that's not the You'd best You'd be like, I have a thousand decision. dresses in my closet and I don't need this. So um, assessments can be incredibly helpful because that provides that true outside perspective. It's not a person telling you something, it's a computer. Yep. <laughs> so assessments are generally used to provide information into a person's unique behavioral and communication style. Some assessments can also get into values, motivators, and decision-making approaches. And even others can actually evaluate cognitive and other abilities Or they can compare a person's profile to a job description. So here are some best practices for picking and acting on behavioral assessments. First, you want to figure out what you want to learn and pick the assessment that best meets your needs. Some of the most popular tools are Myers-Briggs. That focuses on how you perceive the world around you and how you make decisions. It's really interesting. I love Myers-Briggs. What's the
1: Myers-Briggs types. How do they show that? Is it like the e- it's, E-T-N-J one? Yes.
0: Okay. It's, it's four letters. I'm an I-N-T-J.
1: I'm an E-T-N-J, so we're very
0: close. Nice. But I'm
1: the extroverted version, the really interesting. Very Indeed. interesting.
0: Wow, we're very similar. <laughs> yes. Um, disk is one we use here. It's a very simple tool that evaluates communication and behaviors. You can also put a filter on the disk assessment to apply it to a specific function like sales, leadership, or customer service. And another of the three big ones is Predictive Index. This is actually a company that offers a few different assessments, one of which is a standard look at behaviors and motivators, and one of which evaluates cognitive ability and your capacity to learn quickly. So really interesting. There are way too many different assessments to name each one, but you wanna make sure to pick the one that best fits your situation and what it is that you're looking to learn.
1: And I'll say, when you do these, it's so much fun to Google the famous people of yes. history that have the same personality types as you. Definitely. Um, Myers Briggs, I know that it's not known for being the most accurate personality or behavioral assessment, um, but it was really fun for me to look up. I think Steve Jobs had the same one as me, and all these other people. And it's so interesting to see when you read the description and you're like, yes. wow. That is like myself. And again, I don't know if it's me convincing myself that I fit into these parameters, Um, kind (laughs) of like a horoscope. (laughs) But it's it's pretty fun to see who which political leader of 200 years ago had your personality.
0: And that leads into my next point, which is you want to make sure that whatever assessment you pick is scientifically validated. BuzzFeed quizzes, while very fun, are <laughs> unlikely to really drive growth.
1: You know, it's funny because BuzzFeed, sometimes they get it right. They'll give you the, I can guess your age by your favorite condiment. Yeah. And it's just like a, a ploy to get you to think about Heinz ketchup. But, yes. And then they never guess your age. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the behavioral assessments are much more scientifically backed. A little more rigorous. Than a BuzzFeed quiz about cats. But I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> some other best practices, because again... You want to make sure that you get the best results from these so that you can Google it later and compare yourself to Napoleon or Steve Jobs. Um, so you want to take the assessments when you're in a calm state of mind and without interruptions. Do not take the assessment after you've just been on a delayed train for two hours and had someone cough in your face because you're going to show up a lot more aggressive than you would normally. I would imagine. <laughs> um, and then conversely, you know, you just want to make sure that you answer each question without a bias, without an inclination to answer it a certain way to get a certain result. Um, And we say that, I'll see that a lot with sales. Like there's no right sales personality. Mm -hmm. So when we have clients and people take the disc assessments, it's important to take it as naturally as possible because it'll really help you. Um, Which leads into the next one. When you get your report, learn the model and figure out your profile. You want to look for basic things like your strengths and weaknesses, but also keep an eye out for other tools and tips for your communications or comparisons to people with similar profiles. Um, And for the DISC assessment, I think you can do that for the people within your actual firm that have taken it or on your sales team.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of assessments, if you take them within a team context, you can do things like develop um, with DISC a group wheel that'll actually show you how everybody on the team um, fits together as a team.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I, I remember you telling me about that earlier, but the next one is as you review your report, Look for things that validate your self-perception and the feedback you've gotten from others. Because remember, you've been asking people for feedback. You know, you're doing this whole process to increase your self-awareness and your emotional intelligence. Um, this could either confirm those assumptions or not.
0: Definitely. And what you're going to find here is, for example, you might reflect for yourself and think, "I feel like I have a gift of leadership. Mm-hmm. I have some leadership skills." Um, I'm not really practicing them a lot, but I think I could step up as a leader. And then you get some feedback from other people. And maybe some people don't say that about you, but Mm -hmm. some people do. People that see you in one context say, hey, you've got some leadership abilities. Mm -hmm. And then you take an assessment and it says you've got leadership abilities. You have validated it. You have leadership abilities. (laughs) Now you have to figure out what am I going to do with that? Um, And so sometimes you're really just validating what you've kind of gotten the suspicion of in that self-reflection and that feedback from others. And if
1: some people are saying that you don't have the leadership skills skills that you were just validated to have, it might be because they have a specific personality type that it's hard. It's not impossible, but it's harder for you to communicate with Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis and be on the same page. Um, And these DISC assessments especially will show you that, especially when you compare it to other people on your team. It's amazing. So next, look for areas you disagree with, and there probably will be more than one. (laughs) So you want to take each of those points and solicit feedback from one person in your personal life and then one person at work. If they both agree that the item isn't correct, you can cross it out, ignore it, and move on. Um, And if not, you've learned something new about yourself, and
0: it's time to try to be better. Definitely. Maybe, for example, you did self-reflection, you got some feedback, and nobody ever mentioned that you had a tendency to be disorganized. Mm -hmm. That is usually something that you notice about yourself, but maybe not. (laughs) Um, And then you took an assessment and it said you were disorganized. Uh And you're like, no, I'm not. And then you showed it to your spouse or your partner and they were like, "Yeah, look at your are closet." You me? <laughs> right? Yeah, you are. And, um, and then you brought it to somebody at work and they're like, "Yeah, actually, you know, I see that and that's that's valuable. That's mm-hmm. useful self-awareness. A lot of times we, we find that challenging, but that's actually a benefit.
1: Yep, if you're, um, you say it's an organized mess, it is not organized to anyone else, and thus, it is not
0: organized. (laughs) Indeed.
1: Um,
0: So we've talked a little bit about this, but if you're interested in taking the DISC assessment, we will include a link in the show notes to where you can do that. And if you want to learn more about it, I'll also include a link to a webinar that I led on that subject. So we are kind of winding down, and hopefully by this point, you have a lot of ideas to improve your self-awareness. For the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about how you can apply this improved self-awareness to improve your relationships and your sales. So you want to get us started, Ariana?
1: Yeah, definitely. So one of the most important things about self-awareness is to show up more authentically in everything that you do. Um, And I feel lucky because my parents taught me this from such a young age. Like, Mm -hmm. It takes so much energy to try to be who you think people want you to be Mm -hmm. than it does to just be yourself. And if you think about it, you know... It's easier to take things personally if you're fabricating this, not false image, but this elevated image of yourself. And so if someone disagrees with you or doesn't like you, you're going to take it personally because you're trying real, real hard. Absolutely. So you just want to be more authentic, be yourself, um, and it'll play
0: out. Definitely. People can tell when you're putting on a show. Um, very similar to that, um, you want to make sure when you're trying to improve relationships, open up about your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, Again, this gets to if you're authentic, if you truly have confidence in who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. we all have weaknesses. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. And if you can open up about that, if you can say, you know, hey, we're working together on something, I might not be very good about follow up. Mm -hmm. Can you hold me accountable Mm -hmm. to that? that is going to improve your relationship. Imagine in a selling context, Mm -hmm. if you can open up with the prospect and say hey you know i don't always provide enough detail for people if you notice that i'm not taking a deep dive into something and you want to spend some time on it let me know i'm very open to that and you'll gain a lot of respect definitely it's when people think that you're you know if you try to come off as perfect right people know that it's fake and they don't trust you and so just open up about your weaknesses same thing though about your strengths you can say to people it's okay it's not bragging say <laughs> you know i i tend to be Um, Pretty good when I'm put in this position. Is it okay Mm -hmm. if I take that on in this project? Um, You don't always get your way, but people know if you can just say, "Hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not." Mm -hmm. You're letting people know where they can put you.
1: Yeah, and that kind of relates to leveraging other people. um, You know, whether it's for a strength or a weakness. Mm -hmm. I think in in a um, example of a weakness specifically, let's use the follow up example one more time. The person that you're working with could be like, oh, follow up is my favorite part about sales. (laughs) I love hunting people down. I love like writing a meeting notes and sending them out in emails afterwards. So I'll take care of all that. And you focus on the presentation part because that's not my favorite, you know? And then you got a great team.
0: Definitely. Um, we see this at work. You can even see this. It's a little silly. I'm a knitter. And um, at the, the store that I often go to for knitting, there's a table in the back and people mm-hmm. just kind of crowd around there and knit. And there's, um, I love a technique called picking up stitches and I love seaming things. Mm-hmm. And those are both very fiddly techniques that a lot of people hate. I hate weaving in ends. It is like my (laughs) least favorite thing to do. So you've got little tails of yarn. It's just a mess. And so I've had times where I went there and literally just traded a project with somebody of like, oh, Uh you need to like sew a seam. Let me do that. Why don't you weave in my ends while we do that? And Uh that's leveraging each other's strengths and weaknesses. You have to be open about those. Um, Next, one other great thing that you can do as you improve your self-awareness is work to figure out how you can make a relationship work better. One great question to ask is what communication type is best for each person? Um, you know, do you prefer that I call you or text you? Mm-hmm. Do you prefer email? What works better for you? And you can establish better relationships with people just by being self-aware, what works best mm-hmm. for you, and then figuring out what works best for them. And then sometimes you have to come to compromise if right. you're not the same.
1: Right, Definitely. Um, And then something else is you want to apply models you've learned from your assessments to better understand people around you. So this could be anything from, I know the DISC assessments that we do, they tell you for someone who is more of a introverted person and you're extremely extroverted, it's better to present to them like this. Mm -hmm. um, And your tendencies are this, but try to, you know, draw that back a little bit
0: for these types of people. So. Definitely. You can't really, um, you know, sit somebody down and say, please take this assessment before I have interaction with you. But the more you learn about the model, the more you can say, you know what, I get a sense that they have maybe this profile. Right. And then you can even compare and say, you know, that's like my colleague Mm -hmm. who sits across from me. How do I interact with that colleague? That informs how I should best interact with this. Definitely. Um, uh, Something that you always want to get back to, again, not trying to get into the why and motivations, figure out what it is that prospects are asking for and looking for. Um, they might be asking you for information. They might be asking you for experience. Um, They might be asking you for your patience, for um, results, for comfort, all of these different things. um, A lot of times we get caught up and we get defensive. We want to just go our own way, but really get down to what are they asking me for? And can I provide it to them? And that will drive a better interaction. Awesome. And then the last one I want to talk about is you have to adjust excuse
1: me, you have to adjust your approach to best fit the people around you. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a little bit, it incorporates kind of all of the things that we just talked about. But if you have the self awareness, it's really important that you use it to make sure that your communications are working best with any type of
0: person that you might be with. Definitely. And it's not about, you know, being fake, but it's just about figuring out, you know what, I have a tendency to explain a lot. This person, I can tell, doesn't have a lot of patience for that. <laughs> it's not going to work if I just keep trying to explain a lot. explain everything. So instead, I'm going to dial, da- dial that down, you know, that aspect of my behavior, and I'm going to be a more effective communicator with this person. That's not being fake. That's trying to have effective communication. Yes. And they'll appreciate it. So I hope everybody listening got a ton of insights into improving your self-awareness and having better relationships. What do you think, Arianna? You know, I think I learned a lot from this myself, so I hope everyone else did too. I was taking notes as we were talking. Um, So thank you all so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show and resources for everything we've been talking about at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 137. Tune in next week, where Rebecca will be interviewing Matt Hines, the president of Hines Marketing and host of Sales Pipeline Radio. And in the meantime, Rebecca is also hosting this Friday's inspirational episode, where she'll be sharing an excellent quote from C. Joy Bell C.
1: And I'm very, very excited to say that we're having a podcast listener survey um, the call to action is in the show notes. So if you want the chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card, please complete our survey and check the box that says that you want to enter to win. Um, and we're, we're going to be drawing winners, I believe, every month. But so just make sure you do that
0: and I'll give back to Elizabeth. <laughs> Thanks so much for that reminder, Arianna. I was going to forget to mention that, but you'll, you will see a link to that in the show notes. Again, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 137. And beginning next month, we are going to be writing about hiring on the CFS blog. You can check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. We will also be sharing a brand new resource. Woo, fun stuff. If you are enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you are listening to today's show. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. This will help more people find the show, and it lets us know what's working and where we can improve. And obviously, that feedback survey is a way to give us direct feedback. Yes. <laughs> Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Arianna Miskell, and me, Elizabeth Fredrick. Happy selling!